Hi, this is Dave from Do It With Dave. I'm a former overweight, unhealthy, and stressed out criminal defense attorney who at age 60 left that life behind and instead chose a life of health, happiness, and fitness by becoming a personal trainer. And today at age 75, yes, that's right, age 75, I am in by far the best physical mental and emotional shape of my life. If I can completely transform myself by rewiring my brain and rebuilding my body, so can you. So follow along with doitwithdave.com for my daily tips, weekly podcasts, videos, and blogs to begin your journey to dramatically improve your life using small steps that can produce big results. In podcast 16, I talked about the many benefits of coffee and even called coffee the world's healthiest drink of the 21st century because of all the health benefiting properties. Now just a month or so later, in the September edition of the University of California Wellness Letter, a study has found that many people, at least those that have the gene that allows them to metabolize faster, improve their workout performance by 7% by drinking coffee. Even those of us with moderate metabolisms, about 40% of the population, benefited from caffeine in their workout, but to a lesser extent, about 3%. So you can conclude that caffeine, for the overwhelming numbers of people, has a direct benefit in their workout performances. For maximum benefit, drink the cup of coffee one hour before you work out. In addition, a new study reported in September of Men's Health had found that those of us who drank from one to eight cups of coffee a day had a reduced risk of death by anywhere from 6 to 16%. So you can see that coffee is certainly continuing to trend in the direction of being a super drink. In podcast 13, I talked about the health benefits of walking. A new study in the most recent edition of Health Aging, published by the School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, which involved 16,741 women of all levels of fitness over a four-year study, concluded that moderate to brisk levels of vigorous activity associated with walking was also associated with an even lower risk of death than first thought. It was initially believed that the risk of death over 70 minutes a day reduced the risk of death by 20 to 30 percent. But now this study shows the risk has been reduced by 60 to 70 percent. Quite a change, and because of the amount of women involved in the length of the study, I would say that this is a very definitive study and demonstrates quite an uptick in health benefits of walking. So live longer and healthier by walking more. In podcast 11, I talked about how you were much better off getting your nutrients through food selection rather than taking a pill or a capsule. 
that the absorption level of a pill or capsule was far less, and besides, supplements are highly unregulated. For new studies, particularly as they pertain to fish oil for our omega-3 heart benefits, has concluded there is no convincing evidence that taking fish oil supplements reduce heart disease risk and was of little or no benefit for people with or without existing heart disease as summarized in the Journal of American Medical Association on Cardiology. In fact, in this September's edition of University of California's Wellness Letter under an article entitled, quote, Three Strikes Against Omega-3 Capsules, I quote the following from that article. Recent studies may have put the kibosh on three common health claims made for fish oil supplements. Quote, no for preventing age-related cognitive decline. No for preventing dry eye, and perhaps most important, no for preventing cardiovascular events, at least in those who had previous history. There were 10 large clinical trials connected to this finding that ran an average of four years where participants took daily dosages of between 400 and 2,500 milligrams of fish oil a day. Again, you should talk to your doctor about this. You may not be getting the health benefits you think you're getting through a capsule. Seems you are far better off if you got your omega-3s from eating oily fish such as salmon, mackerel, sardines, and albacore tuna twice a week, as government dietary health guidelines recommend. Now on to today's subject matter, obesity. There are so many weight-related health complications associated with obesity. To understand what I am talking about when I mention obesity, let me define it, what it is and what it is not. It is not being merely overweight. The majority of adults in this country can be defined as overweight. Those of us that know we should be losing some 10 or 15 pounds, not only to look better, but to feel better, know we are overweight. That is not obesity. Obesity is defined as having a BMI, that is a body mass index, of 30 and above. A BMI of 30 will put you at approximately 30 pounds overweight. And it goes up from there as your BMI increases. Your BMI is a person's weight in kilograms divided by their height in meters squared. This formula works well for the very large majority of the population. Besides a body mass index of 30 and over to define obesity, another measure of obesity is a waist-hip ratio of above 0.90 for males and 0.85 for females. The calculation is done by first measuring your waist and then your hips at their widest point and divide the hip calculation into the waist calculation. So a 30-inch waist divided by a 40-inch hip measurement would yield 0.95 reading, just above obesity in both male and female. The article lays out some of the many weight-related health issues of being obese. 
many of which are commonly known and accepted. These include all sorts of orthopedic and heart problems, including high blood pressure, as well as sleep apnea, and the out-of-control type 2 diabetes. But the points less known are the younger ages that people are becoming obese. The article written by both a prominent professor of pediatrics at Harvard Medical School, as well as a prominent professor of economics at Harvard, states that data from the Center of Disease Control shows that while 4 out of 10 adults are currently considered obese, the largest increase of obesity is in children. Whereas today, 2 out of 10, that's right, 2 out of 10 children are considered obese. That is frightening considering that this projects out that to a majority of two-year-olds today will likely be obese by the time they turn 35 years old. Another factor of obesity less known but no less frightening than the medical consequences are the economic costs of obesity. Keep in mind that almost all type 2 diabetes, and that's more than 9 out of 10 diabetic people, is primarily brought on by a lack of proper exercise and proper diet. Being overweight is the primary risk factor for type 2 diabetes, as the more fatty tissue you have, the more resistant your cells become to insulin. In addition, the economic cost to individuals and to this country is staggering. We're worried about terrorists and climate change and national debt, and well, we should. But the real immediate danger is the cost in dollars and time and productivity and happiness and ability to live out your life moving freely and without pain that diabetes causes. Citing from this article from the American Diabetes Association, the cost of diabetes in 2017 was $327 billion. That's billion with a B, including $237 billion in direct medical expenditures and $90 billion more in reduced workers' productivity. This total impact just on obesity-related or diabetes is estimated to be between 4 and 8% of our gross domestic product. To get a perspective how large the cost for treating diabetes and the residual fallout on our productivity is, the only things that cost more in our country is the 2018 defense budget of some $653 billion and Medicare costs of some $588 billion. Yikes! It's only going to get worse in the foreseeable future as more obese people become diabetic and the more Medicare costs goes skyward. Well, is there anything we can do about this epidemic of obesity that threatens to destroy lives and bring economic ruin? Believe it or not, the solutions are not that difficult to carry out. First and foremost, take responsibility for your own health. When your doctor takes a bigger role in managing your health 
it's already likely going to be either too late or a real upward struggle for you to regain your health. Second, start eating healthy foods like fruits and vegetables. Get rid of the foods loaded with saturated and trans fats like pastries and potato chips. You know which are the healthy foods and which are the unhealthy foods. Eating nutritional food is not only the best and quickest way to lose weight, but it will reduce your symptoms of diabetes and can, in some instances, actually reverse it. Third, drink plenty of water during the course of a day. Not only will it keep you hydrated, but will give you a, a sense of fullness as far as your appetite for food goes. Further studies have concluded that increased water intake is directly related to weight loss in obese people by burning more calories faster. Fourth, eat healthy snacks between meals to keep your metabolism at a fat-burning level. Besides your three meals a day, the healthy snacks in between meals like yogurt, fruits, nuts, raisins will not only stop you from overeating during your meals, but will help burn the calories you ingest in a more consistent and efficient manner. As healthy eating is the best way to lose weight and reduce your body mass index, exercise is the best way to obtain a more healthy waist to hip size. I will be posting some videos to demonstrate what exercises might be the most effective to achieve this result. Just to demonstrate how widespread obesity is in this world, the uh, New York Times this week just ran an article on a group of people you would probably never associate with obesity, Buddhist monks. The news story entitled, Thailand Confronts a Crisis Among Buddhist Monks, Obesity. Currently, almost half the Buddhist monks in Thailand are obese. And with it comes the health problems associated with obesity high cholesterol levels, high blood pressure, and diabetes. A professor of food and nutrition at the university in Bangkok who studied this phenomena of high rates of obesity among the monks stated that, quote, obesity in our monks is a ticking time bomb. It took a while to figure out why the monks of all groups of people had among the highest rate of obesity. After all, Thai monks' dietary habits showed that the monks consume fewer calories than the general population, and yet more of them are obese. What further baffled investigators studying this issue of obesity among the monks is that in addition to consuming fewer calories, monks are generally forbidden to eat after midday. The culprit was finally identified. All the sugar and energy drinks that the monks drank to keep their energy up. So you see, you need to be vigilant in your consumption of food and drink because a single habit like drinking sugary drinks can be at the root of your unhealthy being. This is Dave with another episode of Do It With Dave and I will see you next week.